You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill that purpose and live that life that God has originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Okay, let's, uh, we'll read the text. Um, we'll take a few chapters, or rather from a few accounts from Matthew chapter 2. We'll read the first account of um, the record of the things we are celebrating. Matthew chapter 2 from verse 1. I read now, and I'd like us to read together if it's on the screen. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring it back word to me, that I may come and worship him. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frank, incense, and myrrh. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. And may we be found worshippers of the king in the name of Jesus. Okay, Luke chapter 2, we'll take another record of this same Luke chapter 2 from verse 1, we'll read and stop at 7. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the wars should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. 
So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Amen. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. Okay, the last account that I want us to read, John chapter 1, is also the Christmas story, if you didn't know. Praise the Lord. It says, um, I read from verse 10. Let me read from verse 10. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own And his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can we read that last verse 14 in message translation? Message translation. Let's read together. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory, like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. Amen. Amen. The word has become flesh. Amen. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And um, I think it was from last Sunday or two Sundays ago, we began to look at the prophecies that came before this birth and how this birth came to pass the miracles, the signs and wonders that took place. And, and today we have the privilege of just reminding ourselves and, you know, relieving the beauty of that day and what it must have been. This was the day that the greatest, the greatest one, who is the greatest? Jehovah, right? Our God. The greatest and only God gave the greatest and only gift the greatest and only god gave the greatest gift who is who his son jesus christ to meet and solve the greatest need or the greatest problem what is the greatest need salvation eternal life that's what christmas is the greatest god gave the greatest gift to solve the world greatest problem The greatest God, the only God, gave the only gift. The truth is that aside from Jesus, there is no other gift. He that had the Son had what? Had what? He that does not have the Son doesn't have what? Without life, can you eat bread? So the greatest gave the greatest gift to solve the greatest problem. That's what Christmas is about. Praise the Lord. So when we read John 3.16, that's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. 
the greatest God gave the greatest gift to meet the greatest need. That's what Christmas is about. The giving, the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And that's why season, you know, each time Christmas comes about, there's a lot of giving. You know, whether you like it or not, it just occurs. People just give and give and give. Why? Because it's activated by the gift of the Father, the gift of God, giving His Son, Jesus Christ, to us. Praise the Lord. That is done to mark it is worthy because it's the greatest news that man ever heard. The Bible says those who dwelt in darkness, to them what? A great light has come. They've seen a great light. That is what Christmas is. Like one of the, uh, um, the Christmas songs says, um, Holy Night. It, uh, there's a part that says, uh, what is it? Those who dwelt in the dark. Okay? The, the, the news of Christmas is the most refreshing news mankind ever heard. Praise the Lord. Because we're dwelling in death. All of us were in the valley of the shadow of death. There was no hope. A man wrote something, I think, um, I don't know if we have read it. But a, a preacher said he was preparing for the Christmas sermon one morning. And fell asleep and dreamt. And in this dream, there was no Christmas. Jesus never came. And he said in this dream, he, he now realized that he, he searched the Bible. And the Bible stopped at Malachi. And that while he was reading his Bible, he was called to go and visit a dying mother, an aged woman who was dying. And he said when he came to her side, he had no words of comfort, no word of hope. You know, the Bible says we do not sorrow like those who have no hope. There was nothing he could say to this woman. He could just stand there and gaze while she was dying. And he said when he attended her funeral, he couldn't also bring any word of hope and encouragement. Why? Because Jesus had never come. Light had never come. Man was, you know, was condemned and abandoned. And he left there, you know, weeping, confused. And he said he got back home in the dream. And now arose. When he woke up, he realized it was all a dream. And then he began to shout, Hallelujah, Jesus has come. Hallelujah, Jesus has come. And that is simply the conclusion of the matter. If Jesus had not come, we are hopeless. Praise the Lord. We are hopeless. We are done for. There is nothing to look forward to. There is nothing to encourage ourselves to. There is nobody to come and save us. In fact, you know, remembering Christmas. You know Christmas time, you remember almost all the Christmases. I was remembering one of the Christmases that I spent, you know, not that I spent, but I was in cell. Okay? Police cell. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Yes, I was in police cell for righteousness sake, not for iniquity. Okay? And um, I remember trying to minister to the people who were in cell. I could see the expectation in their eyes. I could see the joy. Why? Because when you're behind the bars, if you see a deliverer, if you see someone coming for you, there's this joy unspeakable. You can't control it. Is someone with me? That, that was, that's what I just remember. So Christmas is the time that we, mankind, remember and celebrate that while we're in death, in darkness, on, in the captivity of the enemy, Jesus came to save us. 
Child of God, that is the greatest news ever. Praise the Lord. That is the greatest news ever that Jesus came to die, came to save us, came to redeem mankind. And there are so many other ways we can look at that, but essentially that's what it is. And that's why in, in, in Luke chapter 2, the account, I don't know if we read to that, in Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14, we're introduced to a heavenly choir. The news was so great that the host of heavens had to do what? They had to sing. 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying what? Glory to God in the highest. They were praising God. Thank you. They were saying almighty. They were celebrating his love, his intervention, his deliverance. They were saying, what a God you are. And the second part of the song says, and on earth what? Peace and goodwill toward men. That's the dimension we want to look at now. Because God has done it. The greatest God has given what? The greatest gift. Praise the Lord. To meet the greatest need. However, what we're going to see as we go back to the passages we read. Matthew 2, 3. Someone, you know, open to it. Let's read it and see what it is. Matthew 2, 3. Matthew 2, 3 introduces something. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. What did Herod the king hear? He heard about this greatest gift that was given to solve the greatest problem, isn't it? And what happened? It should have cost him what? Greatest joy. Shouldn't be taken for granted. The greatest gave you the greatest gift to solve your greatest problem. But we don't see that happening here. What we see is that Herod was troubled. And if it was only Herod, we would understand. Because the Bible says Herod was troubled, and how many else? All Jerusalem. This is the city of the king. This is the city of David. All Jerusalem with him were troubled. The greatest gift given to solve the greatest problem, and those who are supposed to receive it, instead of being excited, are troubled. Okay, let's look at Luke 2 and see. Maybe, you know, something different will be found in that environment. In Luke 2 verse 7, it says... And she brought forth her firstborn son, the greatest gift, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? He said, because what? There was no room for them. So there was no room for the greatest gift. Is someone with me? There was no room. They had no space. He must have gone about knocking. In those days, really, you know, the inn there, I, I don't know the translation, but we understand that in those days, People's homes were the places where, you know, others were accommodated. That's why the New Testament says, receive strangers. So people would go on houses, you know, house to houses, and be knocking, okay? And when they knock, the owner of the house can say, I don't have room, or I have room. Come in and stay, okay? So we find here that on this day we are celebrating the greatest gift, given to solve the greatest problem. There was no room. In the whole of Jerusalem. Oh, sorry, Bethlehem now. There was no room. They were going around and each household, when they looked at Mary, when they looked at uh, uh, Joseph, and when they looked at that, you know, uh, uh, baby in the womb, they said, we don't have room to receive you. So he kept taking his wife and the baby round and round until the only room they found was a manger. A feeding trough. 
for animals. That's what they found. Okay, we're going somewhere. So let's look at the last one we read, and then we ask ourselves the question and see. In John chapter 1, let's see verse 11. 10 says, let's see 10. It said he was in the world. The greatest gift was in the world to solve the greatest problem. Okay, but what happened? It says the world did not receive him. He said he came to his own. When we read the Bible, it's telling us about things that happened, things that are happening, and things that will do what? Happen. As sure as Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same way mankind is the same one. Yesterday, today, and forever. Situations and circumstances. That's why we as believers who are sensitive must take care of patterns. We must take care of ratios. We must take care of events. Let's not read the Bible like a, a comic book. No, it's a, it's, it's a compass that is to help you locate where you are and point you to where you should be going. So if we read this account of Christmas Day and we see that from Matthew's account, the people were not eager to receive him. From Luke's account, there was no room for baby Jesus. And from John's account, his own did not receive him. Then we see that there is a receiving problem. Hello? There is what? A receiving problem. Receiving is the challenge. Whereas receiving, if I, if I called somebody here now and presented to you my iPad, okay? Now, how difficult it is if I say Merry Christmas, I, don't, I really don't want to give you my iPad, but can we, <laughs> can we pretend I want to give it to you? Except someone is giving me a new one. Okay? And I say, Mr. Koku, I so love you. Receive my iPad. Now, who is doing the more work? What does it cost him to receive my iPad as a gift? No price. No labor. And it's not even heavy. Okay? Even if it's heavy, if I'm giving you 50 billion naira and it's heavy, Will you mind? What is it? Receive. Now, what I'm trying to say, thank you, sir. What I'm trying to say is this. Receiving ought to be so easy. Do you understand? Receiving ought to be so easy. And when we have said it is the greatest gift, receiving the greatest gift should cause and provoke the greatest excitement. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to ask you you now, because if I ask you now, you say you're happy, it's Christmas Day. But why did the people at the time not consider it the greatest reason for excitement? Have you thought about that? If I ask you now, you say, no, you're happy, it's Christmas Day. Isn't it what you say? That's what we're all going to say. But why didn't the people, so let's analyze them. Let's leave ourselves, we're going to come to, why didn't these people consider it such joy, such a privilege? The maker of the world came and dwelt amongst them in their neighborhood. Every morning they should have been going to pilgrimage in his house to celebrate him, to worship him. Okay? Now, okay, let, let, let me note here already the Bible tells us that. We know that the Bible tells of, of a different set of people who 
this Jesus was not born in their village, was not born in their country, was not even born in their zone. You know, the word of God is so complete. It says men came from where? The east. Every time you hear the east, is the furthest that they can tell you. So these men traveled very far to come and see this Jesus. But those he was born to did not what, care enough to make a little room for him. But the Bible says these men were what? Wise. Or they were magis. Or they were scholars. The scholars then were what you would call the astrologers. And they represent what you may call the scientists of this time. So what it was saying is this, is that the men who gave thought, the men who applied themselves to study, to know what ought to be done, they knew about this Jesus and they traveled to come and worship him. But the rest of the people were not ready to inconvenience themselves for a second for him. Now, why would these people not do that? Simple, simple, very simple. For me to receive a gift, whatever gift it is, you know, you, it may never have occurred to you, but it's going to cause a displacement to me. Praise the Lord. If you have a bucket of water, okay, or if you have um, a jar, well, what's more precious than water now? Palm oil. Palm oil is quite expensive, right? Okay, you have a, a, a jar of palm oil. And I come and give you a jar of water. I say, I want to bless you with a jar of water. Will you empty your palm oil? To take my water, what will you say? You say you're disturbing me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, that's what you're going to say. So my gift is not able to be received because there's no room. If you had an extra jar, you immediately take my water and add it to your jar of oil. Isn't that what we'll do? Now, the reason the people at this time would not receive Jesus was that he was not counted worthy enough to displace where they were. Herod, in the first place, was king. Herod, King Herod, had killed the wife. History has it that he killed the wife and the two brothers because he suspected them of treason. Herod was one of the most insecure kings that led. Herod had married nine wives trying to establish and strengthen his rule. Those days, kings married as diplomacy. So when they're married, they have a treaty with the people they're married into. That's why Solomon did all his marriages. Now, Herod was so insecure. So the thought of a king being born was a threat. Forgetting that this newborn king, before he gets to 30, the Herod would have died. Okay? But it was a threat to his position. That's why he wanted him dead. And you know the story that he had to go and kill all the children who were two years and under. That's how much he did not want to abdicate his throne. Okay? That is Herod's reason we understand. Okay? Now, the same thing, if you go down and down and down, the religious leaders knew that if this king came, we saw what the problem he had with them. The moment Jesus came, he was going to bring a new order. He was going to overthrow the entire system of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and all of that. All that respect. He says, you move about and men call you teacher. I say, you shall have no teacher. Call no man father but God. Who wants that? When every time when you're going, they're calling you papa, papa, mama, mama, mama. Then one child comes and begins to teach the people. There is no papa here. <laughs> Are you getting me now? Who wants to receive that type of gift? They don't want him. 
because he's going to cost them their status in the society. He's going to cost them their comfort. Now, who also wants to receive this Jesus when, when he comes, when you receive him? Okay, I, imagine receiving a gift that is a personal CCTV that is going to be watched by FBI. You think drug barons will like it, even if it's going to protect them? Would they like it? Why? Because it's going to expose their business. Now, those are the things that affected men and women in the time past from receiving Jesus. He was a gift, the greatest, yes, the most needed, yes, but he came with a lot of things that will inconvenience man. The Bible says light came, but men love darkness because their deeds were what? Evil. As long as a man does not hate darkness, he cannot love to receive the prince of light. Are you with me? So the problem they had was Jesus was going to cost them their finances. I'm coming to a time now. That, that's why today you see people, you know, whatever you say, they, they can't get serious with God because, you see, they know that if they want to get serious with this God, their, their finances will be affected. Their finances are going to be affected. I was reading about some man, I don't know, I hope you read it. I'll try not to call his name. You know, some man that they said have, has, um, has, have, has 11 private jets, maybe because of the number I wanted to use half. And this man has 11 private jets, yet he's, he owes uh, uh, security. He owes his staff. Not only does he owe his staff, he owes even government. And government has shut down his business. Okay? You see, if this man has Jesus in his life, what would Jesus make him do? Let me hear you. He'll make him what? Pay his debt and even give more. So will Christmas be good news for this man? No. It won't be good news. It won't be good news. Because he's going to displace your priority. The man that, you know, in his house rules like Lord and Master, beats everybody into submission. The wife can't talk, the children can't talk, nobody can talk, he's always beating them. Can this man rejoice that Jesus is coming into his house? If he sees Jesus in the neighborhood, say, I'm looking for a place to stay for the night. Would this man welcome Jesus? He won't welcome Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is going to cost him his mannerism, his behavior, his harshness. His dictatorial wickedness in the house. That's why men don't receive Jesus. That's why men don't receive Jesus. He said, to, he said another thing he's going to do is that he's going to determine the types of friends you have. When this gift is received, it's going to put like, like, it's going, it's going to put like a monitor. You, you won't be comfortable with some of the friends you were, you were comfortable with. Oh, yes. When he comes in, that's why they say, don't come to our house. I mean, then maybe if they, they were watching Big Brother or something worse even. Okay? And then they say, we need room for Jesus for the night. What would the person say? There's no room. Even since yesterday, there's been no room and there'll never be room. <laughs> Move away. 
Or the person has some hot drinks in his cellar. You know, some people, I still go to their house, you know, some money to hide it from me. You can hide from me. I'm not omniscient. Even if you put it in my face, there's nothing I can do. I'm pastor. The Bible says the man of God must not strive. I will keep blessing you. Praise the Lord. But some people have some things in their house that if you came to their house now, they really would not want to receive you. Why? Because your coming in will see. It's going to cause a displacement. If you have to stay in that house, it's going to displace a lot of things. It will displace the music, the, the tone of language, the way the people they receive, their friends. You now come into this person's house and he's going for business meeting and the man is a 409 man. And he calls and says, I'm calling from Central Bank. Meanwhile, he's in Guagua Karimu. Will such a man want Jesus to come? No, he won't want Jesus because it will cost him. It's going to cost him. Unfortunately, child of God, this is the very reason that the world is not able to receive her king. The king is a displacer. The king is what? A displacer. And people are only as able to receive him as much as they are able to permit him to displace. That's what he did with Peter. The apostle Peter. And that's why Peter was such, so paramount amongst the disciples. He so upturned Peter's life. You know, he came and blessed Peter. Peter had told all night and caught nothing. And then Peter caught a large catch. This was the type of, you know, catch that you have. And you will take from that and have capital for your business. Take from that, invest in your house. Take from that, you know, invest in your children. Take from that and multiply, you know, do turnover for your business. But when Peter had that catch, the master said to him, I don't want you to continue this way. Since I'm going to be with you, I want to make you no longer a fisherman, but what? A fisher of men. And the Bible says, Peter did what? Followed him. Jesus displaced everything that was of value to Peter. Child of God, until you understand displacement, Christmas will be hazy for you. We're going to get there. It will just be something you sing about and then it passes and nothing really changes. Because let no man deceive you. We are not wiser or smarter than the people then. Though our wisdom is in proportion to our fear of God. Our wisdom is in proportion to the spirit of the living God that we are allowed to have his way in us. The spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Praise the Lord. So, so people will see. Have you, have you? I remember some time ago, unfortunately the man is dead now. I was preaching to a man. You know, a young man. Probably maybe a few years older than me. Maybe five years older. And the man laughed. You know how you're preaching to somebody? And the man laughed. And he laughed and said, he said to me, go and talk to my son. Yes. The man died, you know, a few years later. Realized he was strong in the occult. So, he knew what I was saying. But what he was trying to tell me is that what he needs to change to allow Jesus to come in. He's not going to consider it. He came to his own. 
But his own what? Did not receive him. Young children, you, 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 can, you can refuse Jesus because of the friends and the cloud. How many people have refused to be dedicated to Jesus? Who they know is their Lord and Savior. Who loves them? But because it will cost you friends. It will cost you company. It will cost you a group. It will cost you acceptance. It will cost you popularity. It will cost you a lot of things. And when you consider it, you shut Jesus out. The greatest gift. To solve the greatest need. And incidentally and thankfully, what Jesus is asking of us, he himself has done first. Let's look at Philippians 2, please. Philippians 2 from verse 5, please. 5, 6, 7, 8. It says, let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Who what? Being in the form of God. Did not consider robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a servant. And coming in the likeness of man. Go on please. He says. And being found in appearance as a man. What did he do again? He humbled himself. He became so low. So that he could die. What was he doing? That was what it cost him. He had to displace his godness so that he can save you. Brothers and sisters, you see, the, the, the world, hallelujah. L- l- let me say this. As you grow in life, hmm? are you with me? As you grow in life, one of the things you're going to see, so this will make sense to some of us, but there is nothing free. In life. There's nothing free. As you mature, you're going to find that out. Is it free? Oh, nothing free. There's nothing free. Not just that the person who is giving you pays for it, but you also pay for it. How many of we're, we're all on social media, right? So Facebook is free. You don't pay for Facebook. You don't pay for WhatsApp. Do you pay for it? And you think it's free? Let me tell you. Just hold a conversation. Type some messages. Just type about five messages with television in it. Eh? Before you know it, when you're on Facebook, they'll start advertising television to you. Sometimes I think they even listen to conversations. You're having conversation. They say, okay, he's talking of uh, bread, bread. Then you see, I get get bread. There's nothing free. Everything is being paid for. Everything is being paid for. Now, our Lord Jesus, for him to save us, apart from, we, we looked at great as the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. We looked at, but even beyond that, for him to come to save us, he had to empty, keep emptying, keep emptying. We said there that if he hit Mary's womb as God, that would have been the end of creation. That would have been the end. That would, that would have, the explosion, I mean, nuclear, atomic, whatever it is, you know, would not equal it. That would have been the end. So he had to keep emptying himself. Why? For him to have fellowship with you and I, he had to so remove his godness so he can come so low. And be able to interact with us. Now it is expected that for you and I to also fellowship with divinity. We have to remove our vileness. 
Is somebody getting it? We, we have to empty ourselves of our wickedness. Okay, let's even not call it wickedness. Of our accomplishments, our pride. That's why, you see, the born again experience is sometimes not understandable. You see good people and they will not be born again. They here, they will never. Because when they look at those who are born again, they say, I'm better than them. Then you see criminals. You see them, they run to Jesus and he takes them and transforms them. That's why you read the gospel. You find men like Zacchaeus, whose nickname was Sinner. Praise the Lord. It, 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 Zacchaeus is like somebody coming out now from APC or PDB, you know, one of the politicians. You know that thieves. The man, you know, you knew him before. Then he became local government chairman. Next thing, he became a billionaire. He became her senate. He became a multi-billionaire. He became governor. Then he now owns the whole this thing. I mean, you know he didn't build factory. He didn't invent anything. You know it's our money he stole. Okay? That's, that, I mean, that's, don't, don't mind that, you know, we bring them in front of churches. They, we, know that this, that we know that the cause of the problem, they are thieves, you know, and civil servants as well. Okay? So, so Zacchaeus is a sinner. And then the Bible said Jesus was passing by. He ran up. What was he doing? He was humbling himself. Praise the Lord. He was emptying himself. Do you think other sinners climbed the tree with him? When they heard Jesus was passing, the other sinners shifted and said, let that man just pass and go. Zacchaeus left their group. Do you understand? And ran. He wanted to see Jesus. The moment Jesus saw him, he said, this one has displaced something. I'm coming to him. For why? He said, salvation will come to your house. Sir, if you don't open your door, salvation can come in. That's what I'm saying to you this Christmas. That's the message. Christmas must be what? Received. We we don't wave over it. Let, Let me try and round up because I know, you know, I know we really didn't come, you know, prepared. <laughs> but I came prepared, so unfortunately. Fortunately, though. Listen, you see, Christmas can be on the surface where we send in you know, all those text messages. Before Christmas time, you know, I've changed a lot. How many of us have changed? As a pastor, I'll be crafting Christmas message that will communicate what Christmas is. I don't even bother again. Just like those days I used to, you know, pray, Lord, what's the new year word? I don't bother again. You know what? Yesterday, today, tomorrow, Jesus, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't bother. For, come for crossover, but forget there is none of those things that are coming. It's a waste. It's just deceiving you. Okay? Where was I? Uh-huh. So, Christmas, we can do all the excitement and wear all the new clothes. This shirt I'm wearing, I've had it for about 12 years. You know, there's nothing wrong with buying Christmas clothes. It's an opportunity. Do you understand? Look nice, but I try to look nice for Christmas. Do I look nice? Thank you, thank you. Okay? I, I try to do as much Christmas as possible. But something happened in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. The Apostle Paul said something. He said, when I was a child, I did what? He said, I spoke as a child. He said, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Okay? Let me hear you say, when I was a child. 
Now, you and I agree that whenever Christmas comes, we remember when we were children. How many of us are witness to that? Now, sometimes I wonder, what do the children remember now? They remember when they will be adults. I don't know. You know, but we've done you people a lot of injustice. God will forgive us. Christmas was very interesting. So, so remember when we were children, you know, when we wear clothes and all of that and dance around and eat and all of that and all of that. That's what we remember. But the Apostle Paul says something there. He says, but when I became what? A man. Now, it's time for some of us to become men concerning this Christmas. Help me preach to your neighbor. Sir, sister. It's time you become a man. Somebody is disturbing the husband. Tell, tell them that your pastor said, it's time you became mature concerning Christmas. It must, I must not give you Christmas money. Wait now. They are revolting already. They are revolting. No, it's, listen. Christmas today is what? Saturday. The 25th of what? December year 2020. is a day. Tell your neighbor tomorrow is another day. Next tomorrow is another day. For every day I live, I will love you. You don't have to. Mm -mm. When I became a man, I stopped buying Christmas shoes. Abba. Pastor Lord, that's Christmas shoe. (laughs) Okay. So the Apostle Paul says, when I was a child. So there's a season, sir, where we gloss over the event and don't go deep. No, 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 no. Okay, you agree with me as I move on. What is the difference between a child? What happened with Paul here from when he was a child to when he became a man? What do you think happened? Many years ago, pretty someone boys to men. A child... And a man, what's the difference? Growth. Maturity, okay? Okay, simply, let let, let me break it down for you. You see, to a child, everything is to be played with. Everything is a toy. To a child, everything is what? Everything is to be enjoyed. In fact, as I was preparing this, I remember my, my dad was a transporter, okay? So... He was a mix between driver and mechanic, okay? If you entered my dad's car, you will see um, a piston. How many of us know the one that is? You see electric car parts. You see all kinds of things. So I remember as a child, then I'll see some things in his car. Then I want to use it as toy, but it didn't make sense. You know, as a child, anything you saw was something to find how to, you know, derive pleasure and play with, okay? That's how children behave. Everything is to be played with. You give them your phone, they play with it. You don't give them your phone, they play with it. They see your glasses, they play with it, they break it. You see, you use the glasses for seeing. When they have it, it's for play. Everything to a child is a toy. And as they're playing, they're just deriving pleasure. If they see something more interesting, what do they do with it? They discard that one. They finish, enjoy this one. So as a child, you look at life with enjoyment. So when you hear Christmas, what do you think of? Enjoyment. When you hear New Year, what do you think of? Enjoyment. That's, that's what children do. And we don't blame them. It's their season. Praise the Lord. So fathers and mothers, please do Christmas for your children. Children, are you with me? Uh-huh. It is their season. 
Hallelujah. But when you become a man, are you with me? Follow me. When you become an adult, something changes. You begin to look at things for their utility. Purpose. So the child plays, the adult uses. Two different levels. In fact, the Bible says to us now, the same Paul speaking now, it says to us in 1 Corinthians 7.31. Can we put it on the screen, please? 1 Corinthians 7.31. It says, we are to use this world. What? As not what? Misusing it. For the form. So the adult knows that time is passing. The adult knows that opportunity won't always be here. The adult knows that this thing came for a reason. The adult has transited from being toy-minded to purpose-minded. So when you slap an adult, the adult just doesn't say, you slap me, I slap you back. The adult will ask, why did you slap me? I hope you know here that one of the ways they kidnap people and snatch cars is that they'll scratch you, small scratch. That if you have enough sense, you say, don't worry, I'll move on. But if you're still a child... You immediately remove suit, open your car, and jump out. Eh? Uh-huh. The adult, no matter what happens to an adult, he will ask the question, what is this about? What is this for? Unfortunately, generations have misused Christmas. Now, it is good to visit and share things at Christmas, but the people you give it to are hungry on 3rd of January. They are hungry 1st of December. They were hungry in November. They were hungry in October. Please give them at Christmas, but don't stop giving. This one is childlike. Are you getting Actually, what you now cause is during that period, they have jedi jedi. Because all of you gather there at the same time to give them the same thing. Why? Because it's Christmas. That's what they do. You ask purpose, purpose, purpose. So the child does not probe through and say, what is going on here? But the adult is thinking, what am I here for? What did this thing come here for? For the adult, let me help you to begin to understand. As an adult, when God blesses you, there is something you do. The Lord said to me, what was the problem of the, uh, of the, of the man who said, I will tear down my barn, I will build bigger ones. And I will say to my soul, soul, soul. He said what? Eat and rest, you know. Purpose. An adult does not wait for Christmas to bless the wife. An adult looks at his situation and says, this business I made, some of us need to incorporate wife business associated and give her endowment. Are you hearing me? Because it is that endowment that they will use to save you like Joseph saved Egypt. But you don't need to, now you agree, don't shout, I don't want to hear your shout now. <laughs> no. You don't need to, Chris, you see, we, adult. So what, what I'm trying to say is this, it would be wickedness for the wife to go to a man who is going through a dry season and say to him, because it's Christmas, you must give me money. You are not wise. Because when you do that, you dry up the sensitivity to pick up what God is about to do. It's not about... You see, the, the, the adult is always purposeful. 
something happens. It says why. And when it says why, because the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. What will happen? The Spirit of God will give direction. That's how adults live. So, coming back to Christmas, child of God, the adult is asking, what do I do with Christmas? That's what it is. And that's why we're learning what we're learning. Christmas is to be received. Whether as a child, as an adult. Now, for children, we dash them 500 naira, we dash them toffee and all of that. But for the adult, the question you should ask yourself is, has Christ taken place that is worthy of him in my life? Because those people cannot shut him out. Just like that. It means if care is not taken, I am shutting him out now. Are you hearing me? I want you to ask yourself, has Christ become a partner, better still, a master in my finances? Has he become a master in my entertainment? Has he become a master in my pleasures? Can Christ, you know, unfortunately and interestingly, this thing we are learning, the devil has mastered it. The devil doesn't play. Let me tell you why the devil doesn't play. Let me tell you. It is your, it's Christmas. Whose birthday is it? Jesus that we're celebrating every. What happens at Christmas? Is there any security person here? What goes on? Does righteousness increase? What increases? Crime. You know why? Because the devil will tell people who are not drunkards, it's Christmas, get drunk. And the person will say, it makes sense, it's Christmas. Let me get drunk. The devil will tell people who drive carefully, it's Christmas, speed. And somebody who used to keep at 100 kilometers back will now push to 180. And when he asks him, why are you doing it, he says, it's Christmas. <laughs> Do you understand? It's Christmas, you know, run away with your boss's money. Why? What does that have to do with Christmas, devil? He seizes every opportunity. He seizes every opportunity. And then he comes to the born again Christian. He says, Christmas, technical, fall down. Become slack. It's Christmas, prayer. Don't pray when you should pray. It's Christmas, husband, don't do what you should do. It's Christmas, children, don't honor your parents. Disobey them. It's, uh, that is Christmas now. Christmas, so you can fool around. Is that what Christmas is about? Are we getting it? The devil understands. He, he seizes every opportunity. You know the Bible says he left Jesus for an opportune time. He always comes. Listen, the pressure that is on believers, on, okay, let's even say what, the world, at Christmas time, shouldn't come on believers because we know what Christmas is about. But the devil has taken it over. The same pressure the unbelievers have the believers carry it. Why? Christmas. And your problem is money. When the greatest gift has been given to you. And the Bible says, he that did not withhold his only son Jesus, but gave him up freely for you. He said, how shall he? Christmas is when you're lonely. Uh-uh. Christmas is when God demonstrates his love towards me. Why should it be the time that I sulk? Why should it be the time that my envy goes up? Why should it be the time that I know that I don't have a child? Why should it be the time that I begin to weep? Now another Christmas has come and I'm not married. Ah, did, were you to marry on Christmas Day? What the enemy uses it. He takes it and applies it. He chews it. He, he afflicts us. 
He says it's Christmas, young man. Go and get high. You've never gotten high before. Go and take the, there's, there, there's a, you know, go, go and get high. What does Christmas have to do with me getting high? Shouldn't I position to receive the king? Is someone hearing what we're saying? That's what the Lord is saying to us. As adults, we begin to ask why. So God gave his only son to be born into this world as a gift to me. And I'm celebrating him today. What should I be asking? I should be taking stock of how much Jesus that is in my life. That's what Christmas is about. And every year he should increase. And what determines his increase? His increase is inversely proportional to the decrease of the disruptions in my life. So I ask myself, can Jesus watch all my movies with me? So most of us are going to watch movies beyond our normal ability this period, isn't it? Now, make sure Jesus is watching them with you. You know those things that you want to turn away? That you know Jesus won't watch? <laughs> the, the, the places you go, the, the things you do, make sure Jesus is the one on top. Make sure he's the one being projected. Make sure, not just that he's the one, make sure he's the one saying, let's go here. Do you understand? He, he, we are receiving him. Let earth receive who? Her king. Let Jesus be it. Let it be him. That's what Christmas is about. God so loved the world, he gave. And have I received? That's what we are talking about. Let's bow our heads as we pray. I want you to, I know there are children here, but children, the Bible says there's an inspiration from man and the spirit of God gives him understanding. There's a spirit in man. Even if you're a child, you can grow to be an adult in the things of God. I want you to ask yourself, how childish have I been concerning Christmas? What is it really? Some children are actually watching game on their phone there. Parents of those children, clap for yourselves. You see, I want you to ask yourself, how, how, how much, how, how, What's my grade concerning Christmas? What is it about to me? And if for the past seasons, it's understandable, it's been to you about just the festivities, then it's all right. Grow up this morning. And I say to yourself, I want to come up higher. I want to come up higher. I want Christmas to be an instrument in my hands. I want my heart to have room for Jesus. I want my life to have room for Jesus. I want to receive my king. I don't want to be like Herod. I don't want to be like the rest of Jerusalem. I don't want to be like the people in Bethlehem who had no room for him. I don't want to be like the people John told us that he came to his own and they received him not. Tonight, Jesus, this morning, sir, Jesus, come and take your place. The song says, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. But better still, we don't even ask him to come in because he has already come. Make room. There's a song that says, I'll make room for you. That's what it's about. This Christmas, tell him, I will displace this for you. Somebody's here. There are businesses. There is a way you're running business. And the master will not be pleased with it. Tell him, I will make room for you.
In my marriage, I will make room. There are friends you're keeping. Lord, I will make room for you. I'll delete those numbers for you. I will make room for you, Jesus. That's what it's about. The challenge is not with him. God loves. He so loves. The pigeon translation says, for God loved the world. So take. That's how much his love is. This morning, this Christmas of the year 2021, I'll make room for you. I'll make room for you. In my speech, there are words that will no longer come out of my mouth. I will not, curse words will not come out. Jesus, my mouth belongs to you. Curse words will not come out. Jesus, my eyes are for you only. And I will not watch anything unholy. I make room for you, Jesus. I make room for you. I make room for you. I make room for you. Jesus, you will touch with me. Your compassion will flow through me. I'll be more gentle with the weak. I'll be more compassionate for the lost. When I see the unsaved, I will have a heart for them. Make room for him this morning. That's what he sent me to tell you. Receive him. Receive Jesus. Receive Jesus. And there's someone in church this morning. There's someone who came on this Christmas day. And today is the day that you are going to totally surrender your life to Jesus. What a blessed day to do that. Christmas day. So you came to church this morning. And the Holy Spirit is saying, it's your day. It's your day of salvation. It's the day he displaces every other throne. And takes his place as Lord over your life. Are you here? I want to pray with you. Jesus, come and be Lord from today. What a day. I surrender my life to you. I want to pray with you. Raise your hand. Yes. So I can pray with you, my brother. I can pray with you, my sister. Today, Jesus. Come into my heart. I want to surrender my life to you. You're saying that. I want to pray with you. Jesus. Jesus. You're calling on him. To come into your heart. To come and be Lord. To come and be Lord. To come and forgive. To come and cleanse. To come and save. Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. We give you the praise, O Lord. We give you the praise, Lord. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Okay, let's take this prayer for everyone now. First John. First John chapter 3. Verse 8. I was driving to church this morning. This early morning. And on the road. I saw a young lady. You know, I saw from far. And I thought because the road was practically empty. 
And I saw from far, I was saying, what's this person doing, you know? And as I drew close to, you know, drive past, she was on another lane completely. It was a lady that probably had gone insane. Did you see her? No, okay. They had gone insane. And she was dressed, so it's possible maybe coming from a nightclub or something. And who knows, I mean, it could be drugs, it could be whatever, it could be the Yahoo, Yahoo people. And when I saw it, you know, my heart went out that if the world would receive Jesus, there would be so much joy, so much peace, so much love. And more than that, eternal life. The last part of that says, for this purpose, the Son of God was what? This is what Christmas is about. That he might destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy his works. He came to displace his works. We're going to rise on our feet and say, I will make use of Christmas. I will make use of Christmas. In his name, I will cast out devils. In his name, I will do good works. In his name, I will love. In his name, I will destroy the works of darkness. The anointing of the Lord will move me. I will tear down the works of wickedness. I will work righteousness. Love will prosper through me. Generosity will flow through me. Kindness will flow through me. Peace will flow through me. I need you to open up your mouth and begin to say, for this, this is Christmas. For this purpose, Jesus Christ was born. That he might, that word manifested is the birth of Jesus. For this purpose, the Son of God was born. That he might, as adults, this is what we think when we think Christmas. Jesus has been born. The devil has no more power. He has no more control. Receive the sensitivity to use Christmas to be a blessing, to be a deliverer, to be a source of comfort, to be an answer, to be a helper. In the name of Jesus, the works of the devil destroyed in my home, destroyed in my family, destroyed in the church of God, and even in this nation, Nigeria. For this purpose, we are declaring as we mark this Christmas, we are pulling down the strongholds of the enemy, even in our nation, Nigeria. We are saying no more by the authority, by the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus, by his sacrifice, by his life, we say light comes and darkness is displaced. Darkness is dispelled. Darkness is driven away. In the name of Jesus. That is what Christmas is. Because the Son of God has been manifested. The works of darkness must be destroyed. Are you firm in the body? Are you sorrowful? Are you downcast? Are, whatever situation. For this purpose. The Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil. Please, can I put message for us of that same verse? Message translation. Message translation, please. Let's see. Thank you. It said the Son of God entered the scene to abolish the devil's ways. Catholic Santa. This is what Christmas is. This is what adults do with Christmas. 
is a renewal of a license. I have the license to live above the devil's ways. I have a license to walk in victory. I have a license to have the shackles broken off of my neck. I have a license to have the chains taken off of my hands. I have a license for this purpose. Because Jesus has been born. I walk in victory. I walk in authority. I walk in love. I walk in health. I walk in joy. I walk in prosperity. I walk in soundness of mind. The life of God flows through me. Why? Because the son of God has been manifested. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. You have been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you have been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center off Bannock's Guarampa Expressway near next Cash and Carry Abuja, 9 a.m. Sunday and 6 p.m. Wednesday. Call us on 070-31588-404. You can also find us online on our website, www.thefatherschurchonline.org. Facebook, facebook.com slash thefatherschurch. Our Twitter handle at T Father's Church. Also on Instagram, The Father Church. God bless you.